We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience Week 5. Yes, you heard that correctly. Week 5 fantasy football pickups, waiver wire rankings, injury, and a recap of Week 4, and maybe even a little mini look ahead to the Monday evening game Z with a Z, because there's two of them. Sponsored by DraftKings. Play on DraftKings. I highly suggest that. If you're looking for the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listener's League link, it will not become available until Tuesday's ranking show with Jake Seeley, so remember to tune into that. And always, you can find the link in the description of the videos where it is actually available. The content just isn't created yet, so hopefully we're past the problems from last week when there was weird restrictions and the wrong link got put up. It was bad news. If you want to find all of the running back snap shares and my updated pickup rankings, which are a fluid situation because we don't have all of the news and all the key injuries as of this moment but i will update those in the article you can find that on dkplaybook.com or in the description of this video and podcast remember to smash the like button for the video and give me your favorite prop from one of the two monday evening games in the nfl this week let's bring him in the team on mondays first up he has a new show he's from ftn network so ftn daily ftn fantasy and ftnbets.com chris Meany, what's up what's up pat yeah happy monday to everybody uh, another week gone has some frustrations to talk about certainly on my end i think and uh yeah new show mean streets looking forward to it. it's gonna uh debut this week and hopefully it sticks around i mean <laughs> you us three have been on shows together before in the past where it's been all uh you know a nice buzz, excitement, and they haven't lasted. But this one is uh, is led by some strong uh, people over at FTN, so I, I got a good feeling about it. So check it out this week, and you know it's going to be unlike any other show. Just going to really try to uh, 
just incorporate the viewers and the listeners, try to make them a part of the show as well moving forward. So it's going to be fun. Stay tuned for that. So if you want to incorporate the viewers and listeners, you need viewers and listeners. So on Apple Podcasts, (laughs) on Spotify, wherever, go subscribe to Mean Streets right now. Just Mean's streets boom very easy the trailer is up right now so go subscribe to that uh wherever you download your podcast me i might have to get you to do the video version and run it on mayo media network yeah i mean sounds good yeah you're going to be able to see it on on youtube and and stuff like that too so yeah it's i think i pinned it to my twitter profile subscribe rate review once we get going here this week but yeah, appreciate the shout out and again we're just there's just so many brilliant ftn minds over there and you know you just need to get a part of what, I mean, I think there were three people last night who were, you know, maybe undefeated at one point in their props heading into the late game. And I know Kev had um, a, a strong showing in the 49ers and the Eagles game too. So there's just so much information that I want to get out there to people that are just unaware. Awesome. So yeah, Mean Streets, go subscribe to that right now. Also, if you're playing Monday Night Showdown, one of the two games or both of the games, go to ftndaily.com right now. You can get the projections, the optimizer, use code Mayo, get yourself a discount, and up on Mayo Media Network YouTube channel right now, Justin Freeman's breakdown of the game. However, uh, he just posted an addendment on Twitter because Sony Michelle is not playing in that game, but I suggest everyone go check that out. It's a very quick video, as is the week four recap that is up there right now. Help support the other creators on the channel because i mean that would just lead to more creator more good content i'm trying to make that content the non-pat mayo content i'm trying to make very quick content that's up there like 10 minutes or less kind of thing uh and we're gonna have i mean cody and paul's mma show is gonna be like five hours long every single week but we also are going to have a new ufc contributor this week too so stay tuned for that gary and thorne also on the line sorry it took so long to get to you what's up that's fine. I'm just sitting here loving life. Uh, you know, it's a Monday. It's great. We got football still for the time being. And uh, yeah, it was an interesting week. I feel like you really felt it not being a full slate of games. Like I, I significantly missed the two games we didn't get. Um, just mostly based on the four o'clock slate, I guess. Uh, but yeah, you know what? I don't really have anything to promote aside from going to uh, check out my stuff on DK Playbook. So I'm going to say go listen to Chris's podcast, which I'm sure will be fantastic. <laughs> the only thing I have to say about it is Chris was in Toronto for like 10 years. 10 okay. years. You could have given him a podcast that whole time. Guy moves back to Halifax and then his logo <laughs> has the Toronto skyline in it. Did you not get them to do like a silhouette of Halifax, Chris? You know, I did say, I, I gave a couple picks, you know, of Halifax, the bridge, uh, Peggy's Cove, and you know what? They just weren't feeling it. It's nothing mean streets about Peggy's Cove or a lighthouse, <laughs> you know, by the water. So we're, we're going to roll with the CN Tower and the mean streets of Toronto. You say I guess that's true. Th- there are barely streets near those lighthouses, so that, that'd be a really that's tough right. sell. Uh, so let's jump into, let's let's talk about your guys' teams. Meaning we'll start with you, the division-leading Eagles. Unstoppable force. Super Bowl, maybe? Yeah, no chance. <laughs> um, no chance for a Super Bowl. I, You know, it could come down to Week 17 where the Eagles are looking for their fourth win of the season and a division title, or, you know, they're looking at a chance at a top five to seven pick is absolutely still in play. And they got by last night. Basically, let's be honest, it was Nick Mullins. Like, that throw that he made, the pick, a couple throws that he made, obviously, last night were brutal. But the one that really iced the game, because you saw how, you know, San Fran was able to march down the field with ease, right? Beathard comes in and what was he 14 for 15 at one point had the, the Kittle touchdown and he was, the Eagles are trash. Like I'm just sitting here talking about a win that they got. It's, it's mostly just, 
they escaped with a W. They still don't have any weapons offensively. Carson Wentz still is struggling. Doug Peterson is overthinking. There was a play, couple plays last night where, you know, the game is on the line. They're in San Fran's end, and they're just trying to get 2Q with Hertz. And there was an end around where they lost like 18 yards, and he <laughs> drops a, um, a snap. Like, it's just this team is a complete mess. They still have a lot of holes on the offensive line. They just got a W and another team that was depleted as well in San Fran. The biggest takeaway for me is these, this Cowboys team is, is Dak, like what else can he do? I know that there were a couple of turnovers and, and Zeke put the ball on the ground a couple of times, but for him to have 450 passing yards and what three straight games now, the first quarterback to ever do that. And this is a team that really should be owned four without the 49ers giving away or the Falcons rather giving away that game a couple of weeks ago. So Sure. They're in first place in the NFC East, but this just goes to show this is every single year. I think we talk about this, like this division hasn't been good for a long time. It's been one of the worst in all of sports. So yeah, they have a fighting chance for a playoff spot, but they're not a legit team. I went two and two on my props yesterday and I was very convinced early on in the Sunday night game that my Greg Ward over 43 and a half was going to hit. Um, It didn't. Fun times had by all. Looking at the division, Gary, and the odds right now, minus 110 for the Cowboys, minus 120 for the Eagles. If Washington just makes a quarterback change, could they win this division? I guess it's possible. Uh, they by far have the best unit of any team, although I guess there's some health concerns. With no, that I, I, well. I, would, I would say Dallas's offense is the best unit. Yeah, the that's that's fair. Um, but their defense is so bad it might not matter. Um I guess the, the odds make sense to me just in the way that the Eagles at the very least could get healthier. Um, and I guess that is a little bit the case with Dallas's offensive line, but I, I don't see what's saving that team. And I don't see what's saving that defense. And look, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that the Eagles project to be a good team. I, I don't think that at all. Um, that game was basically just like background noise uh, until the fourth quarter. Like I, I could not get invested in it. Um, but again, the offensive line could get healthy. They could get three receivers back. Um, there's at least a path to something resembling the Eagles team. We thought we might see where, I don't know. I think this is kind of just who Dallas is. So at least if you're looking at this from like an optimistic perspective, I think the Eagles have a little bit more upside. Um, at least if, if some injury luck goes their way. Well, the footballs right now on DK Sportsbook are 9-1 to one to win the NFC East, and they're a half game out of the division lead. And if you think that the, like, the Cowboys are beatable, which they very clearly are, I don't know if Washington's mm-hmm. the team that can do that. Yeah, Washington plays the Rams at home this week. And, I mean, the Rams just got by the Giants. But let's just call that one a loss. But then they go through this yeah. stretch in their schedule where – they're live in each of these games. They went from like, I don't know how close like Alex Smith is to playing or if Kyle Allen's a better option or maybe Haskins has just been through a brutal part of the schedule. I don't know. But they go at the Giants, at home against the Cowboys, at the Giants, at the Lions, against Cincinnati, at the Cowboys. Like, those are all theoretical games they could win, aren't they? Yeah, but I think, like you said, if there's a team that's designed to not beat the Cowboys, <laughs> it's Washington. Uh, Like the Cowboys will invite you to put 35 points on the board. And I don't think any combination of those three quarterbacks, like I guess in a perfect world, if we're being the optimists, we just were with the Eagles. uh, Yeah. Maybe Alex Smith has something left, but I don't know, man. Like I, I don't, I think in the same way that like the first time I heard actual fans at a football game and it made me feel like this weird feeling in the pit of my stomach. 
if Alex Smith were to walk on a football field, I might like throw up a little bit of my mouth just about how nervous it would make me. <laughs> he would be an upgrade. There's no question about it. I don't know. Even Allen would be. I know Haskins had his first, I think, 300-yard game yesterday, but that was, you know, game script was pass heavy in the, in the second half. You make a good point, Pat. In these next few weeks, they're all winnable games, and then they finish with Carolina and Philadelphia, which they already beat. So, it, you know, it is possible this division is completely up for grabs, but I still think it's Dallas. As bad as they've been defensively, just all of their options on offense and the amount of points that they're putting up week in and week out, I just feel like they probably will take the division, but they're not a team that's going to win. They Like, even when they get into the playoffs, they need a stop, and they can't get a stop. It was very clear yesterday against the Browns. They could not stop Cleveland at all. Gary, let's go to your team. Uh, the ones that love to kick field goals? Yeah, really do. Uh, I don't know. Like, I'm not mad or anything. Like, there, there's, there was really no expectation for this season. I think you're just kind of, like, riding through – seeing the sights. It's like Ryan Fitz. I'm, I'm going to say it's Ryan Fitzpatrick's like last for raw, but someone will sign him next season when he doesn't come back with the dolphins. I don't know who that is. The bears. Yeah, actually that, that would be a really, Jeez. really good uh, pairing. I think, I, I think it's, it's funny. We were kind of talking before the show started just about how Baker Mayfield has somehow been on a team that's scoring like 31 points per game. And he hasn't been fantasy relevant yet this season. And no, and nowhere was that more apparent than, in Sunday's game where the Browns drop, you know, 48 points and Baker comes out of it with two touchdowns and 150 yards and really disappoints anybody putting, put him into a DFS lineup this weekend. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the anti Baker Mayfield. Like he'll be fantasy viable out of absolutely nothing. He just scored like 26 fantasy points in a game where he couldn't even pass for a touchdown. And he threw two picks. Like it was just a quintessential Ryan Fitzpatrick performance in that game. But I don't know. I'm starting to get a little like, Jeff Feinbergy over here. I don't know if it's like the isolation or, or whatever, but to use a Jeff Feinberg kind of like mentality here, I sort of want to play with my new toy. Like I, I kind of just want to, uh, to get on a field. Not that Fitzpatrick's look bad. Um, I couldn't even say with any certainty, like, like if you're a Devonta Parker, Parker owner or Mike Kosicki owner, I don't know if it's better or worse if Fitz is leaving the field, but I don't know. It, it just Justin Herbert's out here making like 60 yard touchdown throws and Josh Allen looks like he's going to just keep winning games for the next 10 years in the AFC East. And it's a new dynasty. I don't know. Two is just sitting there in like this really clean white Jersey. I want him to go out in the field and do something. What would it do for Preston Williams? Cause I'm ready I, to cut bait with that. Guy. It would have to help, right? <laughs> yeah. I would say the one thing with Preston Williams, the only thing that would be keeping him on a team for me right now, and it would have to be a team where you're, you've got some availability on the bench. It's a, it's a deeper bench format, but Devonte Parker is not exactly a picture of health. He almost left the game again in week four. That it's the third time already this season. He's had to leave a game, whether or not he's come back. Uh, that's a different story, but this is someone who cannot stay healthy. So when inevitably Devonte Parker has to miss a couple games, I guess that would be Preston Williams time to shine, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. If you, if you got to drop him, I, I, I think it's pretty much justified at this point. Uh, just some news coming out of the Monday Night Football game, Atlanta at Green Bay tonight. Devontae Adams is not playing in wow. that game. He's sitting out. Well, the Packers have, are going on by. So the Lions and Packers are the first two teams up with bye weeks in week five. So it kind of makes sense. You want to get your star receiver healthy. You sit him out this game. You get an extra, basically, 
it'll be four weeks of rest by the time he ends up coming back. So that leaves no Alan Lazard, no Devontae Adams. Are we going to get like Tyler Irvin at receiver? Like in showdown contest, meaning is Darius Shepard someone you're firing up? Yeah, I mean, I think you I think you have to consider those guys with, you know, the landscape of what the total is. Last time I checked was 57. I mean, that may come down slightly with no Adams, but it's going to be a lot of points scored in this game, and it's a pretty good matchup for, for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. You know, I already hammered the Aaron Jones uh, prop total at 27 and a half. I think, you know, if you have time to go and get that, and this is a guy last year who led the Packers in terms of receiving yards and, and catches he, after Adams. He was, he was second on the team, and He's got a already through three weeks. I mean, heading into week four, he was number one in red zone targets. So obviously, you know, he's a guy that's going to be involved even even more through the passing game. But yeah, I mean, Tanyan at, at tight end, what has he got a touchdown in in back to back games? So he's somebody to consider as well. I mean, we're we're really running out of options here with Green Bay with Lazard and Adams out. So yeah, I think you know you have to be cute, at, you know, a little cute to be honest. You have to try to find some value somewhere. It's a high total game, and and to be different would be to try to target you know secondary third options on the Packers as opposed to all the Falcons because it does look like Julio and Calvin Ridley are going to suit up. Yeah, so once again, you can check out Justin Freeman's video up on Mayo Media Network right now. It is up. It is quick, but it doesn't have this information in it, does it, Gary? So what are we doing for the showdown contest tonight? Like. Yeah, Ridley and Julio are both now expected to play. So Gage is going to play. They're going to have their full complement of guys. Like, would you bet? Well, and there's the other part of this too. Tim's free money money line parlay comes down to the comes down to the Packers winning tonight too. (laughs) Um, That might be safe. Although we are getting into sort of unprecedented territory with a lack of weapons for Aaron Rodgers, but. Yeah, I think you have to consider Darius Shepard. I mean, at this point, one of the more popular showdown strategies and one that's worked, you know, a reasonable amount. At the very least, I've seen a lot of these types of builds up near the top of the leaderboard, you know, heading into the fourth quarter. But a lot of people just punt that final flex position anyway and try to jam in five stars, uh, whether it be, you know, in the captain's spot and then the other four flex spots or what have you. But, you know, Darius Shepard's 200 bucks. And he played 23 snaps in week three. It seems like, especially now with Devontae Adams not playing, he's going to be on the field. Uh, I mean, this was someone who I was even considering playing in a flex spot if Adams was going to play, just thinking he might get, you know, 35 to 40 snaps in the slot. Maybe he runs like 15 to 20 routes and gets four targets. At, at 200 bucks, that's more than enough, especially when the quarterback getting you the football is Aaron Rodgers. So I think now he's going to be more popular, obviously, although you have to scroll all the way to the bottom of the, uh, the old showdown contest, even find his name. So maybe people forget about him, but I think Robert Tanyan is also a little bit more of an obvious play, but you know, maybe even someone you consider captaining at this point, uh, if you really want to jam your lineup with five guys uh, at the top in terms of uh, your flex spots, because not only has Tanyan, as Chris said, been relatively successful recently he's got a touchdown in both of his last two games but he's played at least 60 percent of the snaps in every single Packers game so far this season and Mercedes Lewis is probably not going to play in this game and he's been kind of the de facto tight end number two although you know we saw like Jay Sternberger get some run against the Saints but you know Tanyan might be looking at seven to nine targets in this game so under 5k it'd be a riskier captain's pick move but that could be something you do if you want to get Calvin Ridley and Matt Ryan and Aaron Jones all into the same lineup. So 
obviously the Adams stuff really kind of throws this whole thing for a loop. Well, Meany, looking at it right now, DraftKings has like the individual slate for that game. They also have a combo showdown slate with the Chiefs and Patriots game along with the Falcons and Packers game. So you have Brian Hoyer starting a quarterback for the Patriots. Sony Michelle was just ruled out. I don't know if Damian Harris is officially going to be back yet, but if you had to lean on one game, do you think that like out of the four teams, you'd have to imagine that the Patriots guys are going to be the wildly under-owned team, right? Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, not even close. I, I would definitely agree with that call. Yeah, we're going to get James White back. Obviously, to try to figure out this this entire, you know, running back landscape in New England is, is puzzling because J.J. Taylor was the guy who was getting carries. And I haven't heard anything about Harris either. And if he's in the mix, then, you know, you, you got James White coming back and you got Burkhead, who has been really involved with Cam through the air over the past couple of weeks. But I would agree. I think it's, you know, I, I think Edelman would become a, a really so strong play is just Brian Hoyer throwing the football to him and maybe checking down to some of the running backs. Cause you know, KC is going to have their way. I mean, they were five and a half point favorites until the cam news. And now I believe they're double digit point favorites in, in this game. So they're going to score some points. I'm not totally interested in, in new England, but if you are looking to be a little contrarian with the four teams, that's probably the way to go, but I don't know how much success they have Pat in this game. Like I thought KC did a pretty good job last week against Lamar Jackson and just generating pressure. And I'd imagine that's what they do is just, you know, full on pressure on Hoyer and, and try to stack the box and, and know that, you know, a lot of the offense is going to go through the running backs. Uh, if you're looking to play that two game slate, you have both Darius Shepard and Malik Taylor, both at $3,000, the men at wide receiver. Like those are the guys that if you do want to try to jam in the top end, because even like Tanyan's 3,800 bucks 38, on the yeah. slate, Gary. <laughs> Good price. Yeah. Yeah. The context of, of these like value plays for green Bay significantly change when you move from classic to showdown like the the price differential between getting Darius Shepard at literally the minimum uh on showdown which is 200 and then Robert Tanyan's salary is well let's see quick math here 23,000 percent higher <laughs> like that's that's just kind of something you have to factor in right so I think Tanyan becomes obviously a little bit more desirable in in the classic format in particular but yeah I don't know like do, do we really think that MVS is going to get 14 targets in this game? No. I don't know. Seems like he, every time this guy has the obvious lane to volume, he doesn't do anything. So uh, I would not be shocked if it's just a bunch of no-name receivers uh, going out there and torching a secondary that, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about how bad Dallas is. Like, I don't think the Falcons are a whole lot better. So it's, it's going to be a weird slate. Who knows? Like, I, I guess you could project that the Patriots are going to be throwing it a ton because they're going to be losing in this game. And yeah, Brian Hoyer is a part of that mix, but who knows? Like, Keneal Harry's been peppered in the red zone so far this season. Was that a Patriots thing or was that a Cam Newton thing? I don't know. Like, it seems like he and Cam are pretty close. Maybe it was a Cam Newton thing, but, you know, he could be someone who sees double-digit targets in a game where maybe Hoyer has to throw it 45 times. I, I yeah, think the move, Meany, is, like, to fade MVS in this. Like, if you have him in your season-long yes. life, obviously you're going to play him. And he's such the obvious answer to who Rodgers is going to throw to that, as Gary pointed out, every time he's been in this position, he's been trash. Yeah, I agree 100%. I'm totally in agreement with Gary. And I, I, I'm not going to go with MVS, especially if he's going to be chalky. You're right. I mean, even last week he had the one catch for five yards, and, and that was, you know, in a, in a up-tempo, high-scoring game against the Saints. It was all Lazard. So, and even, yeah, to Gary's point and your point, Pat, last year 
we were in this exact situation with Adams sideline and, and Rogers is, we're just waiting, which Packer was going to throw, you know, show up. And it was mostly Lazard. So I, I think that Tanyan is going to be chalky as well, but I, I like what I've seen from him over the past couple of weeks, you know, involved in the red zone. He's got seven catches, eight targets over the last couple of weeks. Snap share has gone up to Garen's point as well. So that is another guy that probably will be chalky in a, you know, where Vegas is expecting almost 60 points in that game. But I still have, I have, okay, if I'm choosing between the chalk, I definitely have no problem with, with Tanya. And I think he's a pretty solid play, but yeah, MVS is a guy that I'll avoid. And I just think that Jones is a lot of the offense and even through the air is going to go to him. I would shout out Tyler Irvin in this situation, just because he's their he's third on their fourth on their depth chart at running back, but they will use him as a receiver. Yeah. yeah he if, would be the, uh, like the Theo Riddick, just going to yeah. line up in the slot because we need someone kind of guy. Yeah. It, it could definitely be like a sneaky play. Yeah. A couple grabs last week. Hey, let's talk about the waiver wire. Some of the injuries at running back uh, so far in week four. Eckler looks like he's going to be out for a couple weeks, at least with this hamstring injury. Basically, if anyone has a hamstring designation next to their name, they're like, oh, they're questionable for next week. They're probably not going to play. That's been the trend so far this season. You hurt your ankle, you hurt your hamstring, you're out for like three weeks. Nick Chubb, we don't have the MRI results back on his knee yet. It doesn't look good but all of a sudden I didn't think Chris Carson was going to play last week either and then all of a sudden he ends up in so you have to wait for the news on that if you want to check out the updated waiver wire rankings go to DK playbook it's going to be in the article I'm going to update it on Monday evening after the Monday night football games then again on Tuesday morning then again Tuesday evening and whenever breaking news comes down I'll be able to update the rankings up there because I can't update the video because the video is already going to be out or the podcast uh Kenny and Drake might have an injury. I didn't see any reports of it, but he just stopped playing in the fourth quarter, so that was strange. Kareem Hunt was the one I couldn't get my mind around, meaning, like, if he like he was hurt going into the game, but he played, mm-hmm. and then he had the 13 carries, but when it came to closing time to finish off the Cowboys, he wasn't on the field. Yeah, and I haven't – I looked and dig, digged around a little bit last night and again this morning, and I haven't heard much. I think that was just basically it, Pat, to your point earlier, is that he wasn't 100% coming into this game. He was limited really all week in practice. And even though the game was tight towards the end, they probably were just you know looking at the big picture, and, and Johnson was running decent. I mean, everybody was running decent, right? Johnson had 7.3 yards per attempt. I mean, Odell only had the two carries, but the one ma- massive one. Um, Hunt, 6.5. Chubb, 7.2. They were just running all over the Cowboys. So maybe it was just a little bit of let's ease off Kareem Hunt. We know that we're probably going to be without Chubb for a couple weeks, and let's keep him as fresh as possible. So, Gary, and in the waiver wire rankings, I have Josh. people drop Josh Kelly after he didn't go off against Carolina last course, week. Uh, not a smart move. I have him as the number one pickup. I have Justin Jackson at number two because I don't know how the distribution is going to be. Like This is the first time we saw Justin Jackson all season. Uh, he's been injured this entire time, but he's the one who's more familiar with this offense, and it does seem like the Chargers are committed to a two running back system after that I have Chase Edmonds because I don't know about Kenyon Drake uh, Dearness Johnson then Naheem Hines and Latavius Murray Latavius Murray's just I don't understand how he wouldn't be owned in your league like, as he was the number one handcuff coming into the year but it seems like if Michael Thomas is going to be out they're going to try to run the ball a little bit more but just looking at the snap share from yesterday Austin Eckler only played three snaps other than that it was 29 for Josh Kelly that's 58 percent and Justin Jackson played 19 snaps that's 38 percent how do you see this situation shaking down and do you think that Josh Kelly is like a top 20 running back well Austin Eckler is out or is he someone who's just going to be wildly maddening week to week 
Yeah, I wouldn't say he's top 20 for me. I think I, I will say to his credit, the one thing I can say with certainty about this Chargers running back situation is that Kelly is going to be the goal line back because that was what his role was prior to Eckler getting hurt. Um, and that's why everyone dropped him in week three, because it was such a terrible game script against the Panthers. It was such an obvious Eckler game script and it played out exactly like that in terms of the snap share. But I, I really do think this could boil down to like a hot hand approach. Um, I, I just don't see, I, I don't see there being that much separation between the, between these two guys, aside from Kelly again is going to get the goal line carries and Kelly will probably get the first crack at being the hot hand. But if Justin Jackson comes in and has a really good second series next week, I, I think they probably roll with him for a little bit. Like, I it, it's unfortunate just because I was curious to see how Jackson was going to be worked in into the three back system. Uh, and I guess we won't know that now for a couple of weeks. I think Eckler was, you know, spotted wearing a boot. He was on crutches. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a little bit for Austin Eckler, but yeah, I just, I don't have supreme confidence that suddenly Josh Kelly is going to be someone who's getting 20 carries a game. I mean, it's possible it happens again. I think it's, it's really going to be case by case and how he does, you know, in the first quarter, but I, I really do think it's going to be hot hand approach. I, I don't think Justin Jackson is, is significantly worse uh, than Josh Kelly by any means. And obviously it was a very tough matchup against the bucks and, and their rush defense has been fantastic going back to the start of last season, but it's not like anyone really impressed in this game either. I saw a very interesting, and maybe this is like reverse engineering, that one of the reasons to have a good run defense, as credit to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is that if you fall behind a lot in games, meaning that it's hard for teams to run out the clock on you. Yeah, that's that's certainly the case, and that's what we saw yesterday, right? I mean, Brady... Brady looked in the first quarter. I was thinking to myself, geez, did he have better weapons last year in New England with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin sideline that he has right now? And he ends up ends up with five passing touchdowns and he looked pretty good in that game. But yeah, I mean, this Bucks defense has been the best run defense in football since the start of last season. In my opinion, they're they're really strong. They can get after the quarterback. And I don't want to take too much away from yesterday's nine attempts for seven yards for Kelly. I think the the big takeaway is that to Garion's point again, is that he has been the goal line back with Eckler on the field. He's going to continue to keep that role. Nine red zone rushing attempts heading into last week. And he had three targets yesterday, caught them all. In fact, he's caught all seven of the balls thrown his way. So he has shown that he can catch some balls. He can stay on the field for three downs. But it probably will be a, a hot hand approach. I do give the edge to Kelly is heading into this week. I expect him, I would say, like, it's more like maybe 60-40. Maybe he can get up there to 70. I don't think that Carolina, the game against the Panthers, were all that bad. I don't know what anyone was freaking out about. Like, Austin Eckler was still on the field. He only had eight attempts. I guess that was what people were upset about. But eight for 43, that's 5.4 yards per attempt. He had 5.0 yards per attempt in his very first NFL game against Cincy. I know that was an easy matchup. But uh, really, just looking at it, he had the big game against KC where he had 23 rushing attempts, and he only had 64 yards. So, yeah, he hasn't been all that efficient, but we can't ignore the fact that now this is really at least again, 60% of his backfield. He's going to get a lot of the touches. He can catch uh, the chargers offense pretty good. 
with Herbert under center, a lot better than Tyrod Taylor. That's for sure. Just ask Keenan Allen. <laughs> uh, so I, I think, I don't know if he's top 20, but he's definitely a low in RB two. And you need to double check to see if he's on the waiver wire. We've been talking about him since week one. And also Justin Jackson could sprinkle in. I don't think he's a terrific talent. I think we've seen him before in this role, but you can't ignore again, another guy who could step in and get, you know, 10 touches. And if anything happens to Kelly or Kelly just shits the bed and sucks, maybe they turn to Justin Jackson and he's the guy who's getting 60%. So he, he's probably the sneaky waiver wire ad this week that will go overlooked. Yeah. When you look at waiver wire, like articles, I assume Josh Kelly, because he's below a threshold in a certain amount of leagues is going to be like the number one pickup that you have to go get, which usually, usually leaves the other guy as the kind of the cheap one that you don't have to take the risk on that. I don't want to break the bank on Josh Kelly. Like either you had him or you don't have him right now. Like spending 50% of your fab to go get him doesn't seem like the greatest idea in the world could work out. And all of a sudden he's like an 80, 20 guy. Eckler's hurt for longer than you think. And he becomes like Mike Davis 2.0. That's possible. But I think I'd rather spend like the $1 bid on Justin Jackson, Gary, and just hope it works out. Yeah, again, there's there's not as many scenarios that Justin Jackson becomes a low-end RB2, but there are scenarios. And, you know, when it comes to just cost equity, like, yeah, you're going to have to pay a premium to get Josh Kelly. Especially if he's on your waiver wire, that means someone dropped him last week. And you better believe the guy who dropped him is now going to be like, oh my God, I have to pay twice as much to get this guy back, but I need him back. Uh, and it's going to be a scramble. Like it, it's going to be a tough situation where, you know, like you guys have kind of laid out, I, I think you can get Jackson a little bit on the cheap because it's, it's sort of that perfect storm where, you know, this is someone who didn't exactly have a great game against Tampa. So it's not like he jumped off the page or his stats jump off the page. And the fact he didn't play the first three weeks, some people might just forget this guy exists uh, <laughs> sort of like me and Trey Burton. Like I forgot Trey Burton was on the Colts until he dropped a pass in the first quarter. And I was like, Hey, Trey Burton forgot about that guy. But, you know, when you look at your rankings, I mean, obviously we have Dearness Johnson near the top because, you know, the uncertainty with Chubb, I think the really the most interesting guy is Chase Edmonds because, you know, we, we look and and talk about how Kenyon Drake was probably injured and had to leave that game. And I, he was clearly shaken up. He leaves the field under his own power and never comes back. And, you know, bad game script, for someone of Kenyon Drake's archetype, although this is someone who in college was a pass catching running back, but it doesn't seem like the Cardinals want to use him that way, but maybe Edmonds just wins this job. Like, yes, there's a, there's a definite chance that even if Kenyon Drake's not hurt, he might just get demoted soon. And, and look, maybe this is just a bad rushing team. Uh, Maybe this is an offensive line that can't create holes for its running backs, but you know, it looks like Edmonds is the more versatile guy at this point anyway, or at least Cliff Kingsbury believes him to be the more versatile guy. So while there isn't some sort of like obvious injury situation opening up the door for Chase Edmonds, it's possible he just wins this job. It's not a break the bank week at running back whatsoever. There's no obvious pickup. There's no guy that's going to save your season. It's just more of depth type moves. And hopefully something emerges from that. Like that would be the Chase Edmonds case. It's not like you're going to spend like 25 bucks on Chase Edmonds. Be like, oh, I'm starting them next week. You'd be like, well, let's, let's wait and see what's going on here. Maybe in like if you play in a 16 team league and you need a flex player or you're my team in Jake's flex league where I had just have no one left on my team. And I'm starting a combination of JD McKissick and Miles Gaskin. You know, that's I, yeah. probably I, I do have Chase Edmonds on that team. So but that would be one where I'd be like, oh, yeah, Chase Edmonds, go pick him up, throw him on the roster. See if just throw shit against the wall and hopefully something ends up coming out of it but at wide receiver 
I was going to switch to wide receiver in the injuries that go on there. Adams obviously not playing in Monday Night Football. They have a bye week next week. He should be good coming out of that. Julio and Ridley expected to play. Then you have two guys, Meany. You have Deontay Johnson, who was suffering from those concussion problems, and A.J. Brown because of the bone bruise. Obviously, Pittsburgh in Tennessee not playing in week four. And we don't even know what's going on with Tennessee in week five. It's all signs go right now, but... it, they had no negative te- – I'm now quoting Schefter incorrectly. They had no – I'm quoting him correctly, but he was incorrect yeah. when he said it. There's been no positive test for the Titans as of today uh, after just the entire week of people testing positive. So I am a bit more optimistic they do play the Bills this time around. So it, with this postponement, it kind of saved you if you had Deontay Johnson or had A.J. Brown because they probably weren't going to play. Yeah, no, you're you're dead on, and and AJ Brown has been a bylaw candidate for me in in one of my articles every Wednesday at FTN. I just kind of touch on a few guys, you know, mix and hit. Maybe you sell high and mix in, but uh, AJ Brown, I, you know, a lot of these guys that have been hurt, Johnson, Michael Thomas. Um, there's another one that's slipping my mind right now. I mean, if you're comfortable and you're sitting in a good spot in fantasy, I mean, you always check in on the owner if these guys are hurt. But yeah, AJ Brown, you bring up a good point. I didn't really think about that, is because AJ Brown was. I don't think he was even close to playing if the Titans were going to play the Steelers this, you know, yesterday, but this extra week off, you know, a few days away, it's possible that, you know, you're going to, you're not going to get that missed game. Now he's, he's going to be active and he's going to play. So yeah, I mean, that's good news. Uh, Those guys, I I would imagine they're, you know, it's possible Johnson people are, you know, they overreact so much, you know, last week was two weeks ago was Johnson was the number one. And then now Juju's the number one. They're both good. Like they're both great and a great offense. Just make sure they're own. Uh, Adam Humphreys has been placed on the COVID-19 list. I don't know whether he yeah. has COVID-19 or not, but he's on the list. I don't necessarily. It's know reported to have it. Apparently, I think there's up to 20 that could. Yeah. So yeah. I guess they're going to have to like double test negative in order to play. So just, you, yeah. I don't think you're playing hump daddy anyway, but there's something to take note of. Alan Lazard has been placed on injured reserve. So obviously he's not playing. Monday Night Football, he's going to be out basically at least a month with this core problem. Brian Edwards, Henry Ruggs, Mike Williams, Chris Godwin, Deshaun Jackson, Michael Thomas, Sterling Shepard, Brashad Perriman, Elshon Jeffrey, and Mimze all did not play in week four. Looks like Perriman's going to be back next week. Godwin may or may not be back. Same as Mike Williams. Uh, when I just look at the pickup rankings, like nothing's really changed a lot from last week. Like obviously Justin Jefferson went out and had a second consecutive hundred yard game. He was number one last week. He's above the ownership threshold right now. So it's like Tee Higgins at number one for me. And then it's like the, the usuals. It's the regulars. Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Russell Gage, Greg Ward, Preston Williams. I do like Zach Pascal though, Gary. And uh, his yardage has increased in every game this season. It's not like Pittman or Campbell are coming back anytime soon. Yeah, um, I I think I would just remember to always temper expectations with the Colts wide receiver, too, because for as much as it's like, oh, cool, I'm running to the waiver wire to get this wide receiver, too, for next to nothing. He's not the wide receiver, too. He's technically a guy who plays wide receiver, who is the second guy on the depth chart. But in terms of guys who are going to catch passes on the Colts, he is significantly behind. I mean, maybe not T.Y. Hilton at this point, but just every tight end and running back who happens to be on that team, you just have to know who Phillip Rivers is. Like, he's just not someone who tends to pepper his wide receivers. He likes to spread it around through all three positions. And, you know, I I talked about even someone like Trey Burton, uh, who I forgot existed, but I think there's a reason that the Colts go out and sign someone like Trey Burton this offseason 
you know, Frank Reich knows Philip Rivers. He knows what he likes. And this is now a team that has Jack Doyle, Mo Cox, and Trey Burton all playing. Uh, I mean, I guess Doyle's more of the blocking tight end of that trio, but those are offensive weapons at tight end that in, are intended to be used as offensive weapons. And then you've got Naheem Hines still. Uh, obviously, Jonathan Taylor's target share has dropped significantly from where it was in week one. But, you know, we still know that history tells us Philip Rivers likes to throw to his running back. So even in the best case scenario, like what are you thinking for Zach Pascal each and every week? Three to six targets. That's that's probably where he's sitting, maybe towards the higher end of that of that range. I, as, as long as I think the Colts are also a team that are just going to win with their defense. Like it's it, it seems like that's that's the kind of style of team they want to be. It's the style of team they want to be, but let's see them against like a good offense and see what ends up happening to that defense. Yeah. I, I do think that the loss of Malik Hooker is eventually going to come back to bite them. And like Leonard got hurt yesterday for a little bit that you, know, you start chipping away pieces. Then all of a sudden you have a Zach Pascal who meaning he could be the number one on this team because Hilton looks washed. Yeah, it's not T.Y. I, I, I don't know, man. Like the only share I have a T.Y. is with you. And I know we're it's, <laughs> it's not in a great. deep league and there's really not much to do. I've been trying to trade one of our running backs to get some wide receiver help. But I'll be honest with anybody out there. If you have T.Y. Hilton, it's time to move on. It's, it you really cut is. Him. Like, what are, you, what are you waiting? Yeah, who, you who, drop who, him. You cut him. Who would you rather you cut, cut first, A.J. Green or T.Y. Hilton? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, it is a great question because I really like T. Higgins. Um, I would cut T.Y. first, but A.J. is right there, too. Like, what are you holding on for? I guess A.J. has the, the, the bigger name. His quarterback is more willing to throw the football. We're seeing Joe Burrow up near the top in passing attempts. Their defense is awful. They're going to throw to Garing's point. Like, this is what the Colts want to do. They want to run the football and throw to all their tight ends. We're seeing all of their tight ends get usage, and it's just all Jonathan Taylor, and they have the number one defense in football right now. What do they got on the schedule? They got Cleveland, maybe a bit of a shootout. Then Cincy, Detroit. It's going to continue just to run, run, run. T.Y. has four for 53, three for 28, three for 52, and three for 29. What the hell are you waiting for? Drop this guy. He's never been a big touchdown guy. Last year was a decline in his numbers in terms of catches, A dot, yards. He's never been a red zone guy. They're not going to throw his way when they get in the red zone. So T.Y. I want absolutely nothing to do with. And for T. Higgins... You know, he's now second on this team in target share. He's now second on the team in air yards. He's got the highest A dot. Two weeks ago, he had four red zone targets, which he turned into touchdowns. This week, he has seven targets, second on the team behind Tyler Boyd, who's clearly the number one on that team, not AJ. And then he has four for 77. So there's obviously a connection there. And I think T. T Higgins just had a bad combine and everyone overreacted. This is a guy who, you know, was pretty good with Clemson and showed nice spurts and had some decent games so i i like him a lot and if i had to choose between him and aj green the rest of the year and it's crazy to say this because it's aj green it's t higgins i'm done with aj three like one catch for three yards burrow is not looking his way he's always going to get the number one corner so I, I think it's time to move on from two of those big names but i would cut ty before aj and i'd just be i don't know somebody out there in your league loves aj guaranteed yeah, it's a great way. This is always a season-long trick that you can use when you cut the big-name guy that someone will inevitably go spend fab dollars on him. So you can almost, like, if you don't need the roster spot right now, the next time, like, a big-name running back comes up and, like, 
you can just drop A.J. Green that week, and people will be like, oh, do I want to spend on this backup running back who I'm unsure of, or A.J. Green? I could spend all my fab bucks on him. You can just kind of, like, wilt them out of fab dollars so you can just spend less on the other guys. It doesn't always work, but it's an interesting strategy that you can take. So T. Higgins, for me, is really the only, like, gotta go get. I guess you gotta go get Marcus Feldes Scantling, although I don't feel good about that. Uh, Scotty Miller, if Godwin continues to miss time. Darnell Mooney continues to play more snaps than Anthony Miller, Gary, and that's not great. Isaiah Ford's getting like close to double digit targets i think that's probably a one-off but like other than that you have like chenault tim patrick who looks like he might be the number one for the broncos right now i, I mm, it's, it's yeah. not a, it's not a great situation at wide receiver i i will say with tim patrick uh that might be one of those plays where there's not a whole lot going on this week in terms of waiver wire i guess if someone needs a running back there's there's a couple guys depending on like you know chubb's mri as we already talked about so maybe there isn't this like feeding frenzy at the waiver wire this week and you can go and get someone like tim patrick for a couple bucks or you know or put out some feelers like put in a five dollar bid one of those bids where it's like if i get him i get him if i don't it's fine but he's not someone who i think you're putting into your lineup in the next couple of weeks but when drew Locke comes back uh it's it's not like Cortland sutton's coming back so his status as the number one receiver for the broncos might mean more in week eight than it does in week five but that doesn't mean you know, he might not be there in week eight. So maybe grab him now, um, sit on him for a little bit, because I think he actually has the potential to be a little bit more uh, than he is right now. They just need an actual quarterback. I, I will just jump in here with um, Scotty Miller. I, I, I kind of like him, <laughs> um, especially this week, because it doesn't look like Godwin is going to play. It's a short turnaround. They have the Thursday night game against the Bears, right? So, I mean, Scotty Miller, he did show up yesterday, but another one, like free tools over at FTN, air yards, dot, target share, all of that. He's actually leads the way. I don't know Mike Evans, his, he's been playing, but he's been in and out of the a couple of the games. He wasn't 100% week one. Godwin didn't play um, yesterday either. But Miller, I mean, seven seven targets, 83 yards, and a touchdown. So he actually, I mean, you look at ADOT, it's 15.93. Nobody else is double digit. OJ Howard actually is flirting with that. He's done for the season, I believe. Um, and so, you know, Brady's looking his way. And I think he's an option at least this Thursday if you're in a pinch. And I do like Patrick as well. I just wanted to bring up this AJ. We don't see the back to AJ just for a second, Pat. Do you see a scenario where he just gets dealt maybe to like the Packers? Or I know you don't see these trades happen too often, but if you're the Bengals, just take a draft pick for this guy. I don't, not think, your future I don't think that anyone wants to give up a draft pick for him. Okay, fair. Yeah. It does look I pretty mean, slow. It, it might be it might be a situation where, like Meany kind of pointed out, where it just it has to be sheer desperation that you're out of receivers. But that's even the thing with like MVS and and you saying you kind of just have to pick him up out of like sheer well he's there and he's going to be the wide receiver one. Like if you're not playing him tonight, which I'm sure there's limited situations where, unless you're someone who had to like play Russell Gage and you were hoping that. Uh, you know, both Ridley and Julio are going to be ruled out and you can now pick up MVS and he's a better play than Russell Gage. Like with the Packers going on by next week and with Devonte Adams surely coming back after that, like you don't have to spend on MVS. Like just, just yeah. leave him there. It's fine. Looking at the tight end injuries from Sunday and Thursday, because Noah Fant got injured too. It doesn't look like he's going to play this week. So he has an ankle injury probably out, out at least one week. Uh, they played the Patriots in week five. O.J. Howard, as Meany mentioned, probably blew out his Achilles. He's expected to be out for the season. Tower Eifert and Jordan Aikens suffered concussions. Dallas Goddard missed the game. Jared Cook missed the game. Jordan Reed on injured reserve. Nothing really changes. It, no one like went and picked up tight ends. It's weird. Dalton Schultz is still the top pickup. Then I got Jimmy Graham, Logan Thomas, Robert Tanyan, Mo Alley Cox, and 
go on your way. Like, I'm surprised more people didn't gravitate toward Schultz. Like, what is preventing people from picking up Dalton Schultz and just playing him every week, Darian? I think people are stuck in this mindset of, oh, there's so many receiving weapons for the Cowboys, and, and Zeke also has gotten a ton of targets so far through four weeks that it's like, oh, he's so far down in the packing order. What could it possibly matter? Uh, well, when you throw the ball 75 times a game, you have the ability to spread it out and get you know your fifth option very involved in the passing game. And heck, it, it sort of looked like Dak was like forcing throws to Dalton Schultz yesterday. It was very strange. Like he almost had two balls intercepted over the middle of the field because he just had to get the ball into Dalton Schultz's hands. So I don't know if that script continues next week against the Giants. Um, that's probably going to be a game for you know, the first time this season where it's it's more of a Zeke Elliott gets 25 Yeah, yeah, you know what? You say that, but it, I mean, when we get <laughs> yeah, Dan- Daniel Jones, knocks, he's not going to put up like 100 rushing yards and 400 yards passing? He should. It's, Everybody it's, else is. It's possible. I mean, but. everyone's going to drop. I will say this about the wide receivers. It was one thing I was going to bring up. I think there is a chance that someone not paying attention this week maybe drops Golden Tate because he's been absolutely terrible so far this season. So, Make sure to watch on Wednesday who was actually dropped for some of these players because if a Darius Slayton or if a Golden Tate ends up on the waiver wire this week, you got to grab those guys because they're just out of, you know, blindly their wide receiver threes this week. That's kind of just how you have to treat it at this point. Yeah, Yeah, Schultz is interesting, Pat, because I don't know what the deal is with that either. I think it's because, you know, there's so many weapons, but more targets, more grabs than Gallup, you know, you know, just a one fewer target than Lamb, as many touchdowns. He's at the team high touchdowns, too. Remember, he didn't play week one, really, at all. So he is right there in terms of targets and grabs with everybody not named Amari Cooper. He's definitely a part of this offense. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like Dallas' defense, as mentioned, is going to stop anyone. And he is the one guy who he's actually in kind of a really good position because you have to give so much respect to all of the other Cowboys' weapons that it's kind of like, yeah, Dalton Schultz, sure, Lamb, why not? You just go free over there. Maybe... Dak will throw to you and yeah, we'll take it seven yards a catch something like that I mean that that's less than we're giving up like with the other team running the ball so that, that's fine Absolutely. uh so that could be a situation where he just kind of backdoors his way into like six seven eight targets every single week because you know they're going to play high pace you know they're going to be throwing a bunch even if they're I, I'm curious to see if they, I think they've led for seven minutes in games so far this year like it's not a lot not great. Yeah, it's 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 not a scenario we've seen a lot of so far this season. So yeah, if Schultz is there, he's obviously the number one ad because you, you just want pieces of that offense at this point. Um, I will also say that I had three names written down for just guys I'm quitting after four weeks. And we've already talked about two of them. It was AJ Green and T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Logan Thomas was also on my list. No, he's now, a thing. He is the thing, Garyan. So, so this is, this is the thing I'm going to say I'm quitting him now, even though every statistic in the book says he's, he still projects as like a top 10 tight end, just based on volume and opportunity. Uh, And also there's a, there's a very real chance as you guys are pointing out earlier that maybe just Dwayne Haskins isn't the quarterback of this Washington team going forward. And I think that would obviously help Logan Thomas, but I'm going to quit him, which means everyone should pick him up if he's available because week five, when I finally don't use him in 90% of my DFS lineups, uh, is the week he's going to go off. You know, if Pat brings up the other quarterbacks, I think that may be the time where maybe Logan Thomas finally connects on some of these targets that he's getting. I mean, 28 targets at the tight end position, but only 13 grabs. It's, it's like, mostly Haskins. He came into this week top five in tight end targets, tight end air yards, snap count, like everything you could possibly want from a tight end. Then he goes out and plays 66 snaps and gets three targets and one catch. 
Well, when, uh, when you can just throw lob, uh, lob balls up in the air, McLaurin is definitely coming down with them. You might as well just do that. <laughs> That's yeah. true. How good yeah. has he been, by the way? Like, four bad matchups to start the season. It's almost like with a lot of these Giants guys. I'm curious to see what people do with Daniel Jones. Because, obviously, when we get to we'll get to quarterbacks right now, like he's the top stream of the week. He's playing Dallas. But this is where his schedule opens up. When we were talking in the preseason meeting about Daniel Jones, how we all like Daniel Jones. He's sort of like minor league Josh Allen in the way that he can put up <laughs> fantasy points. But now his schedule is good again. Like, he doesn't play Pittsburgh anymore. He doesn't play the Rams anymore. Now he gets to start playing the NFC East. Yeah, good, good on him. And this is what we talked about. I know you've had Pat Mayo or Pat Mayo. Jeez, I am. Jake I Seeley. am. You Pat are Mayo. Pat Mayo. You are the Pat Mayo. Um, you know, you've had Jake Seeley on this show a couple times. <laughs> and all he's done, I think, every time he's on is talk up Daniel Jones and just be like, and I've heard him say it. I've even said it. I know Brad Evans at FTN has said it as he likes him as like, especially a second quarterback in super flex leagues. I'm still laughing the fact that I said Pat Mayo. Um <laughs> The schedule was really tough to start. I mean, we talked about Deshaun Watson's tough schedule, but after that, like Pittsburgh, Chicago, San Fran, Rams, that's super tough. Now we got Dallas, Washington, Philly, Tampa, but Washington, Philly again. So he reminds me of Jameis Jameis Winston with just careless, but will give you a good fantasy showing. He had a couple 30-point showings last year. He broke the DK slate a couple times with his legs, and I think he had at least two games with four passing touchdowns. So, yeah, now he, you know, the schedule turns in his favor, and he's definitely available. Like, what's his ownership in Yahoo Leagues? 34%. He's been dropped 10% in the past 24 hours. So, after this dud game again, like, he just has 20 fantasy points in his last two games. Heck, he's 28 fantasy points in his last three games. He is definitely available. I would play him against the Cowboys. So the Davis rest is a really good comparison though. Yeah. It, it, it it's it's perfect because even it wasn't as bad against the Rams, although I think each team only had four possessions total in that game. So I, I don't quite know how the stats <laughs> bear out. Um, but I know coming into week four, the Giants had turned the ball over on a quarter of their drives, which that's I mean, that's got Jameis Winston salivating over there in New Orleans. That's 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 his kind of production. He's got seven turnovers already, five picks, two fumbles, oh, and I he think he loves had 12 a over a seven-game stretch last year. Danny Fums. Yeah, Dan, Dan, Danny, Danny Fums is the number one waiver wire pickup at quarterback. I like that name for the week. Kirk Cousins is number two just because he's playing at Seattle. And it looks like you could – I mean, it's going to be a showdown, so I believe it's a Sunday night game, but, like, Jefferson's real. Jefferson's a yeah. real thing that's going on right now, and it's really helping out their offense just a little bit. It doesn't look quite as inept as it did the first two weeks, which is encouraging for Minnesota backers. But you know, you have to, I guess if the Lions are going to blow every lead they ever have after Tim declared Jeez. that game over yesterday, Garyan. <laughs> <laughs> what, after 14 nothing? 14 nothing. And and I tweeted this out last night. Tim did go pick up Nick Mullins in our league. <laughs> God. Yikes. Seriously? Yikes, yikes. Well, I think we'll know the, the true power of the Ender Curse when uh, War with Grandpa opens up fifth at the box office next weekend. Uh, you know, it just got such a star-studded cast that it, it couldn't possibly fail until uh, Tim Anderson gets involved. So Jones, Cousins for the streamers this week. But I think the two to really look at, I have it three and four, for longer term, if you're projecting out quarterbacks and don't want to stream every single week, you pick up Justin Herbert or Teddy Bridgewater uh, going forward. They have really easy schedules coming up. So Monday night, Herbert's at New Orleans. That isn't great, but everyone on their defense is hurt, so who knows. Then they go Jets, Miami, Jacksonville. Uh, that's pretty good, as I hear. Then you have Teddy B. Teddy B is at Atlanta. 
Uh, at home against Chicago is not great. Then at New Orleans, at Atlanta. So you, you have a situation where both those guys have like three or four really good matchups coming up that if you just didn't want to be hassled with it, or I, I'm guessing that people are going to go spend on Daniel Jones this week on the waiver wire. Like he might be expensive to go get if he's available. Yeah, I don't think, like if you're someone who wants to play the longer game with Herbert or with uh, old Teddy Throsevelt, um, I think that, you probably don't even necessarily have to put in a bid. I think you can just wait and see what happens because people are going to be flocking to Daniel Jones. And, and honestly, with there's been so many good quarterbacks so far this season. Um, and aside from maybe Drew Brees, I feel like a lot of the best guys are just playing well. So if you're in a 12-man league, there's probably only one or two guys who are really playing the like weekly quarterback stream game. So I think this is probably one where you, if you don't need one this week, let Daniel Jones like go to the highest bidder and then just swoop in and pick up Bridgewater. Oh, it actually gets better. Like Bridgewater. It gets better for Herbert here. So at the Saints, home Jets, at Miami, home Jacksonville, home Raiders, at Broncos, then it's the Bills and Patriots, which is not great. But you got like yeah, five, Pat, five good weeks. Tyra. Tyrod Taylor gives him the best chance to win, though. Of course. <laughs> well, it's funny. I, I think that this week's uh, spread pick show is going to be pretty good with, you know, the Jets being abysmal once again on Thursday night and then the Chargers losing in the most Chargers way possible, like fumbling on their own three just to let Tampa back into the game. I, I think he's right now, though, Jeff is like, it's funny. He's, he keeps, he keeps using the stepmom analogy, but I would say like he's in the honeymoon phase of a wedding where He's just so happy about like the moral victories right now that I don't think you're going to get like, I mean, again, you can, you can get him riled up. That was the whole thing two weeks ago is <laughs> you can't rile me up about this. And then six seconds later, he's riled up. So I don't want to say he's not going to get mad about it, but I think in a perfect world, the chargers stay competitive because I think this version of Jeff is hilarious. And unfortunately in a perfect world that I, I think you pointed this out, like, the Jets winning against the Broncos in a game where it was just like disgusting. And that kind of like giving Tim some optimism would have been, I think a little bit funnier than just this continued sad sack race to the bottom, but it's all good with Tim and the Jets. Defenses didn't find like, last two weeks have been weird for defenses to go pick up. Not a ton of streamable options, but I guess if you would held on to the you could you could have picked up the Rams last week against the Giants, and now they get the football, so that's just keep them. But I have Arizona at the Jets, Dallas at home against the Giants, uh, Houston against Jacksonville, and Jacksonville against Houston. Of the available defenses, those ones stick out the most to me. But I I don't really love any of them, meaty. No, it's it's tough to get on board with, you know, as much as we're talking about Dallas, secondary being awful, they are they will be an option. I mean, look at their fantasy points four minus three two minus two. But oh, you get uh, you get uh, what did you call him, Gary? Daniel Fums, uh, Danny Fums. Yeah, Danny Fums. You get Danny Fums here this week. So that's not a bad option. The Texans, too. I mean, they're just another disappointing team. I gave them a pass because their first three weeks, and then for them to lose to the Vikings was was just uh, was disappointing to see. Really, all around, like the only guy that really showed up was was Will Fuller, and I guess DJ continues to play snaps. His yards per attempt was solid, but from a defensive standpoint, I mean, I guess they can generate some pressure and force a couple turnovers from Minshew, who also has issues taking care of the football. So that's not a bad option. But you're right, there's not a lot of just great options. I would just maybe just roll the dice with Dallas and and know that they're probably going to give up at least 24 points, but they could get a couple picks, a turnover, and maybe find the end zone. 
Yeah, I think playing the matchup is probably the best way to go. Like, try to exploit the Jets, try to exploit the Giants, because otherwise you, you are getting into really desperation situations. Like, I, obviously Jacksonville could do some damage against an offensive line in Houston that has remained terrible for the last half decade and vice versa with the Texans. Um, you know, even if you want to play this later out into the week and not spend any money uh, on a streaming defense, like, who knows? Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo gets ruled out again. Uh, and you can test the waters with like Miami, but that's again, that, that's kind of the, the caliber of defense we're talking about this particular week. You're going to have to take a chance on a bad defense in what should be a good matchup and just hope something weird happens. Gary, and it looks like that pick you got from the Texans is going to be pretty decent. Yeah, it's going to be great. Although the Texans schedule does soften a little bit, although I thought it softened in week four against the Vikings and clearly that was not the case. So okay. It's also the second round pick. Don't forget about that. First first and second round pick this year. I guess Bill O'Brien shouldn't have traded Hopkins away for DJ. Probably not. I, I feel probably what we're learning. I, I feel bad for David Johnson in a way, because I can't tell if he's like washed up or not, because he looks super slow. But if that line can't protect Deshaun Watson exactly. at all, and you take away like I mean, you still have Fuller. Cooks is kind of inept at this point. He's just a body that's on the field. But you take away Hopkins, who's such a presence in the passing game that you can't overload the Bucs. You have to double-team him. And now you get rid of him, so you can overload the Bucs with a bad offensive line. Like, what is David Johnson gonna do? Even if he was, like, old David Johnson from four years ago, like, would he really be good in this offense? No. I, no. I don't, I don't yeah, think so. it's, it's a mess. Bill O'Brien has just made this team a complete mess. I don't know even... I know Deshaun Watson want to get paid and, you know, he got paid, but I just look at the future of this team. I mean, they trade away Hopkins, like you said, and then the offensive line they've tried to bolster over the past couple of years. But the, the one thing with DJ that I liked heading into this week, Pat, was that he was second in terms of snaps. Like only Zeke had played more snaps than him. He was always on the field, but he just hasn't been all that productive. And then I'm the senior snap count yesterday. And it was almost kind of a split a little bit there with, with Duke involved, you know, 54% and Duke Johnson getting 38%. So it's, I, I agree. I don't think that he could really do much. I mean, the schedule kind of turns to Garen's point, Jacksonville, Tennessee, even Tennessee is a, a decent little run defense. I don't expect a whole lot from him this year. He's just kind of somebody you plug in and hope he gets 15 fantasy points for you. Yeah, he's a lot like Gurley. Like, that's why they were kind of drafted on yeah. that exact same tier. And when Le'Veon Bell comes back, which I assume is this week, it's kind of going to be the same thing. Like, that, you're just hoping for 15 fantasy points. If they score a touchdown, it's like, oh, he had a good yeah. week. But if he scores the, uh, eight, you're not super The washed running back tier. It was great. It was. It was. The, yeah, they it was were the all 2017 uh, All Star team there That's in right. the fourth round. It was. It was yeah. fantastic. Um, anything else? Colts D? Are we? We're buying. We kind of touched on that. You think this Tennessee game is going to happen next week? Uh, I don't know, man. I'd, <laughs> I hate to speculate, but I think maybe they're off for another week. If if they are, COVID if they are, and you own Josh Allen, you might want to preemptively go pick up one of these streaming quarterbacks. Mm, yeah, it's a good call to plan ahead. Yeah, you should be planning ahead. Uh, and, and it's important to have depth. I know we talked earlier, we were taking some questions week one and week one, we didn't want to overreact. There was a lot of like three for ones, two for ones. Uh, I know, you know, shout out Scott Pianowski, like no hard feelings, man. But he tried to, you know, trade me Josh Allen for like four of my depth pieces. And it's like, listen, I may need this. So plan ahead, I think is very key, Pat. Yeah, just just plan like it's not going to happen and it probably will yeah. happen. Like that's the way that it's trending right now. But you just don't want to be stuck with 
with your dick out if if it does like that would be horrible you might want to get, get ahead of it. it was just like sort of my advice for the chiefs patriots game this week like just plan like you're not gonna have these guys to put yourself into a position where if you don't have them you're okay you don't want to be the guy being like oh now it's for sure gonna happen and then you get stuck there the game gets canceled you're like oh i have no one to pick up this is not i'm playing like quadre Olison at running back this week because <laughs> i didn't make any preparations for clyde edwards hilaire not being in yeah, I think at the very least, when it comes to like the specific case of Josh Allen, um, as we kind of talked about, there, there's a lot of quarterbacks to pick up and stream this week. So I do think if you get backed into that corner, um, there are enough ways to get out of it. Uh, now, if you're looking at like week two without Derrick Henry, that's that's a much harder reality to face. So, um, yeah, I think you just have to look week to week at, you know, this week it's it's a great quarterback streams week and not such a great defense streaming week. So kind of know what that is and plan ahead because this is definitely the season of uncertainty. Last thing, Meanie, would you sell Joe Mixon today? Uh, yeah, I think I would. Um, but what, with that said, we've what, seen what, him before. What do you think you can get for him right now? Like, yeah, is, it, he, is he a top 10 running back? Like th- this usage he got in the passing game, which we have not seen at any other point over the past two years. Is that real? Or is that just a weird aberration? Yeah, I think it's weird. I don't think it's real. But I, but I will say this is that, and I don't know if they want to get him involved in the passing game, but it seems like Joe Burrow is, is not afraid to at least throw his way, which is positive in years past, like with Andy Dalton, it just didn't seem to be an option when Gio was on the field, he was going to, you know, get catches and it wasn't mixing. So I, I, I will say that I think maybe like 40% of his work through the air is, is real, but age, you know, for Mixon has, has done this before he, and when I say this start off slow, we've seen him a couple times start off very slow. Nobody wanted a piece of him. And then all of a sudden at the end of the year, he's leading the AFC and rushing. So the offensive line still has a lot of holes. They want to throw the football. I look at this week against Baltimore, not a great spot at all for Joe Mixon. Uh, they're probably going to be playing from behind and we'll get a good feel as if he is really going to be involved in this passing game because they're going to have to be playing catch up. Next week, Colts, strong run defense as well. So I would move him. I would I would move on from him. But what are you looking to get? There's a lot of injuries. I mean, nine of the first 12 picks potentially in your league have, have missed time so far this year. So there's not a lot. You may have to package him. I, if I'm looking at him and Kenyon Drake or him and Miles Sanders, I'm probably leaning Mixon over a Kenyon Drake at this point. Yeah, I would lean Mixon over Drake as well. I'm not saying sell him for the sake of selling him. But if he has just right. gotten back all of his value in one shot and you can trade him 1v1 for someone that – like, just think about where you drafted him at. That's actually – like, normally I don't like to go off that barometer, but if he was a – late first round pick and early second round pick mid-tier second round pick like try to get that sort of value for him like I would expect Michael Thomas to be back next week you'd probably trade Mixon for Thomas right now couldn't you Garen? uh I mean there was just such a negative perception around Mixon again I, I I always preface these questions by saying I think I give people too much credit uh just because there there was such a groundswell of hatred for Joe Mixon the first three weeks that I don't think one aberration showing against you know a a bad defense is going to be enough to like change people's perceptions entirely and I also do think people are smart enough to look ahead at the schedule like Chris was doing and say Baltimore bad matchup Colts bad matchup Steelers bad matchup he's got his bye week like can like he's he's a low-end RB2 kind of outlook for five of the next six weeks uh you know obviously with the caveat he's just not playing in one of those six weeks but 
I don't know. I, I, I think if, if that trade's on the table and, and look, I don't think someone's like going to be insulted by that trade offer. But so, that's, so but that's the whole, it. but that's the whole thing. People won't people generally, you, you have two types of fantasy players. You have the ones that will send out. Like I just got a really terrible trade offer for Clyde Edwards Hilaire this morning. And I just got a, I texted the guy. I'm just like, the fuck are you doing? Like, wh- what is this? <laughs> like, I, I'm sorry. I, yeah. Justin Jefferson had two nice games in a row. I uh, don't think I'm going <laughs> to sell for Justin Jefferson right now, Jeez. but, but Mixon has enough name value. People are kind of pumped about him, And it's a nice situation where I, like I was down on Mixon this week. I had him at like number 19 in the running back rankings. But honestly, if you had to say, and I know this isn't a trade you would have to make because you could get more than this, but if I gave you a spread of like 20 fantasy points this season, Beanie, and I gave you the names Joe Mixon and James Robinson, don't you think they'll probably be within 20 points? Yeah, probably. Um, I, I, Yeah, that's a, that's a good comparison, those two guys. I still think I would take... Probably James Robinson. It's crazy to think, so, but, that but, I would but, take but that's him over but that's Mixon. the but entire yeah, thing, close. though. Like you could yeah. you could yeah, get yeah, yeah. you could get Robinson and a piece right. for yeah, Mixon you could because make, of the name value. You you throw a Michael Thomas. I mean, check it on checking on the CMC owner. I mean, it's probably not going to be straight up, but maybe you can take you know a guy who just blew up for the week like a Mixon and and move him um if you're thin at wide receiver maybe go get dj Moore. it seems to be anderson is is you really can, involved in this offense you more get, than i thought you could get more than get more DJ a piece Moore. yeah they can get more and more yeah more and more perfect yeah that's yeah, Ro- that robinson and more for mixon right. like that type of deal was the one that you should just be shooting off and listen the yeah. other person might be like this no i'm not buying into this so sorry you can keep joe mixon and that's fine you can have joe mixon he's yeah. like a low-end running back one that's fine but i just yeah. think that this would be the prime opportunity especially like gary and said before this tougher schedule really starts to hit that you can try to maximize the value for him right now yeah and there is but something he said about touches. He's 77 rushing attempts is third most right now in the NFL. I know Henry didn't, didn't play this week. Um, but they are, a, they are a crazy bulk offense. Yeah. That, that is something to note. Time. Like he's, he's near the top of the league in rushing attempts and Joe Burrow's still near the top of the league in yeah. passing dropbacks. So it's just a high paced offense. That's going to get off 70 plays a game, which, mm-hmm. you know, it, it doesn't save a player, but it, it's definitely a boost to his fantasy. There's value. some value in that. Yeah. All right, that will do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. Remember to smash the like button if you're currently watching right now. You can rewind if you're watching this live and go check out the entire show. If you're watching it after the fact, again, smash the like button. The PME Listeners League DraftKings Open will be in Tuesday's show and all subsequent shows. After that, for football for the week, my rankings for the pickups and injuries are up on DKPlaybook.com. You can find that in the description. Right now, they will be updated periodically and Monday evening, Tuesday morning, Tuesday evening when we get some more news. Obviously, we don't know the Nick Chubb Chubb news yet. We don't know if Kenyon Drake is hurt or not. But once I have that information, I can update that in the article. So thank you all for watching. Remember to follow Garyon on Twitter, at Garyon Thorne. Subscribe to Meanie's new show, Mean Streets. Just search Mean Streets on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And for the Pat Mayo experience, I mean, leave a five-star review. Come on, give your head a shake, people, all right? I will be back tomorrow with rankings with Sealy. Wednesday, spread picks. Thursday, DraftKings. Friday, injury report live. Sunday, like I am every week with Brad Evans, 10 a.m. Eastern time, answering your questions, all right? I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.